Welcome to CrossFit Versus Pregnancy, the podcast for the first time or new fit mum who's looking for reassurance and guidance about training throughout their pregnancy. I'm Misha, a coach who went from competitive bodybuilder to crossfitter to expecting first time mum all in 18 months. Having searched through what feels like the entire web for do's and don'ts, I realised that the best way I could prepare for a CrossFit baby would be to speak to those with first-hand experience and share mine week by week. From coaches to athletes, new mums to veteran parents, you can follow my CrossFit pregnancy journey as well as learn from those who have successfully lived through it. Welcome back everyone. This is episode 13 of CrossFit versus Pregnancy with me, Misha. I am a coach and first time expecting mum and tonight I'm really, really, really excited to have someone that I have been following on my journey from the very beginning and someone who I'm super excited to speak to about exercise in pregnancy, although that is just an absolutely tiny part of what she does. So let me introduce Pip. Pip is an experienced practicing midwifery sister, a master's graduate, founder of the Midwife Pip podcast, hypnobirth and antenatal educator, co-author of published research and most importantly a mum. Pip is on a mission to ensure all expectant and new mums feel like superwoman during pregnancy and when they give birth. Pip believes passionately that with the right support, honest and evidence-based information, all births should be positive regardless of any twists and turns that may crop up. For this reason, Pip began her Instagram page, at Midwife Pip, which I will put in the episode notes for you guys, followed by her online courses where she is on hand to support and guide women through all aspects of pregnancy, birth and the early postpartum every step of the way. So Pip is here to create empowered, positive experiences for all. I actually found Pip myself thanks to her incredibly informative podcast, like I said, Midwife Pip Podcast, which features many episodes from a a number of fitness professionals from a variety of specialties. So I'm really excited to get her review on exercise. So welcome Pip Davies, Midwife Pip. (laughs) I realise when people read my bio that there's a lot of midwife pip in there, isn't there? Like midwifepip.com, midwifepip. Like there's a lot of midwifepip, but that is my name. Um, And thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat. I love a chat about, especially about this topic, because I just think there's so much rubbish out there that causes Mm. a massive amount of fear that's super disempowering. And there's nothing that irritates me more than women being disempowered in pregnancy. So I'm very excited. So thanks for inviting me on. No, it's it's a pleasure to have you. And I mean, from my perspective, from the very start of this podcast, I have been fortunate enough to have actually an ex-midwife as part of my journey and part of this podcast to sort of debunk myths, but also share her experience from the NHS side of things about what advice you might offer or what you're expected to share with women in their pregnancies. And So being a practicing midwife, uh, it would also be really great to hear about not only your personal experiences around exercise and pregnancy, but your professional views and opinions about what you would perhaps do and approach for women in exercise and pregnancy. So like I said, I first found you 
in one of your really early episodes actually um it was with a GB cyclist called Danny Rowe and I was just basically looking and searching high and low on the internet to find professional athletes share their stories about pregnancy and exercise and it was really quite tough to come across so when I found this particular episode it was a real delight for me to hear it from that perspective and actually how much of a struggle it was for her as well to find out exactly what she shouldn't shouldn't do in pregnancy so I was truly grateful to find that and then along with so many other professionals but what came to me when I found your podcast is there are several episodes with you talking and discussing exercise so making an assumption here but I assume that exercise really means a lot to you personally so so why does exercise mean so much to you oh yeah it means so it's always been I suppose exercise just always been part of my life we grew up as active kids so we were always doing something Um, And it was really important that my family moving forward also grew up in an active environment because we know the evidence shows us that when children are exposed to physical activity in a fun, normalised way, they grow up to be more active adults. And in a world where obesity is such an epidemic level issue, we need to be raising active young people and adults So it's really inbuilt in my ethos as a human being, I suppose. And and I just wanted to to add, you spoke about my episode with Danny Rowe, and she won't mind me sharing this um, because she's currently pregnant with her second baby that she's publicly. But um, she messaged me the other day, actually, because she's had had an appointment with one of her doctors and they told her how she categorically has to stop running because she's pregnant. No other reason. My she was goodness. like, I'm furious. And I was like, this is the information that women are getting mm. quite often from professionals in pregnancy. So mm. it's no wonder there's this massive fear around mm. exercise in pregnancy still, still in 2022, um, which is a massive, massive shame. And part mm. of the reason that I do have lots of content, material and chats on my podcast is to try and raise the profile um, like you're doing as well, Misha, of actually, yes, we can exercise in pregnancy. And more than we can, we really, really should. Mm, Absolutely. Uh, And what you just mentioned about Danny's experience was... I kind of anticipated that I would get met with similar opinions Mm -hmm. when I first went to see a professional and when I was first pregnant. So I already had it in my mind that I was going to be met with disapprovement, I guess. And I certainly was. And I think a big part of what I've discovered, having spoken to many now mums, expecting mums, other professionals, midwives, etc., is actually more commonly I think what I experienced was just a miss I guess a misinformation from the midwife they they in my biased opinion didn't seem to be into their own exercise regime or perhaps have a understanding of that so from that point of view as an NHS professional what is the expectation from the NHS about what you should be sharing with with women in pregnancy compared to well just clearly taking it from Danny it's it's not streamlined it's not something that all midwives have to uh, share in the same way so what's your personal experience of that 
Yeah, it's such such a valid point, and it, it's one hundred percent something that needs it needs 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 to change because women look to your healthcare professional for the best evidence and the best quality advice, and around this subject, they kind of just aren't getting it. Now, that isn't to say that healthcare professionals aren't delivering a great job. Mm, they absolutely. aren't often educated in this. So, my goodness, it's been a while since I trained as midwife. Uh, about 12 years I want to say um so it may have changed I don't think it has when I speak to students and university lecturers however but there is no information about exercise and pregnancy when I was a student midwife it was a case of if you're already exercising keep doing what you're doing that was it so if you're already going to yoga keep going to yoga but if you're not exercising now is not the time to start Mm. which is a phrase that I think is actually quite damaging in pregnancy. Now, when we look at the cohort of women that perhaps aren't active, these women are the women that are probably already at an increased risk of things like high blood pressure, um, diabetes in pregnancy, and these kind of conditions that we really want to prevent. And we know the best way of preventing that is by exercising in pregnancy. The Royal College of um, Obstetricians and Gynecologists tells us that. That's evidence and there's infographics out there. And yet these are the women that probably aren't exercising. And rather than saying, well, how can we support you? Because you're at higher risk of these conditions. We tell them, oh, well, now's not the time to start. Mm. So it really needs to change. And actually, I'm sitting now on the advisory board for the Active Pregnancy Foundation. And at one of our last meetings, one of the the things that we, we really discussed is how can we how can we start infiltrating university so that as healthcare professionals are qualifying, they are empowered with those facts, with that information, mm. whether it's a passion and interest of theirs or not. You know, there's lots of things that we deliver education about that aren't our favourite topic, mm-hmm. but we need to have the evidence to give women the best information to signpost them at the moment. I do feel like we're falling short of that in pregnancy, and it's it's such a shame because unless, you know, like you, like me, like Danny. You've got that that wider knowledge and that wider information, other people you can go to to resource. If your healthcare professional is saying, oh, I wouldn't do that in pregnancy or I'd stop that or if you're not doing it, don't mm. start, of course you're going to follow their advice. Like pregnancy mm-hmm. is a really precious time, isn't it? We, yeah. we want to be doing everything safely. Um, and so I, I do feel that a lot of the reason that women don't exercise in pregnancy or they stop or they avoid it is probably out of fear and and we should never be making any decisions out of fear because that tells us we haven't got the right information if we're fearful of something. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And for you to bring up the Active Pregnancy Foundation is something that I've actually mentioned in the last couple of episodes. And it's really great to hear that they've got someone like you on board who is clearly, you know, an incredible professional in their own right, but also is encouraging of these new waves of the new waves of information that needs to be shared not just to the public and to people who really are trying to find the information but to the professionals who should be supporting the women in the first place with this information like you say it's just a matter of miseducation or perhaps that that it's just not part of that process so that's really that is music to my ears to hear that you're part of that and hopefully it's not a long drawn out process to to make that happen because it it really does need to happen now there is so much new evidence in the last even recently um you know this year alone that is proving 
in a variety of sports um the the importance and the and the benefits of exercise in pregnancy for a variety of women in case in different cases so it seems so backwards that in 2022 like you say that there is just not this understanding or excitement for women to exercise in pregnancy so so let's find out a little bit more about your personal experience about exercising how did you feel about exercise continuing to exercise when you found out you were pregnant yeah so when um when we found out we were pregnant I was currently lined up to do four marathon races and I was the fittest and strongest I've ever felt in my life wow I could actually win these races felt really great found out I was pregnant which obviously was wonderful and fantastic and I thought well, it'll only be in my first trimester, so I'll be fine to still run them. Mm-hmm. I just, I just probably, you know, won't get the, the sort of times that I wanted, which is actually hilarious because I was then hit with horrendous hyperemesis. Um, and going for a walk around the block in the first trimester was about as active as I got, to oh. be honest. However, I hit 13 weeks and felt absolutely brilliant, totally normal, mm-hmm. and very much got back into weightlifting, running whatever I wanted to do. Swimming became a massive thing. I loved swimming. Um, I'm very fortunate in that we have got a proper gym facility in our house, so I was able to sort of lift weights and things in that COVID time while, mm-hmm. while being safe. Um, and I exercised throughout my entire pregnancy. I went for a run on my due date. Um, I went swimming the day after my due date and then my waters broke. Um, so I feel very fortunate that I was able to remain really strong and active throughout my entire pregnancy. And I always say to women that that childbirth, so childbirth in itself is probably the biggest psychological and physical challenge we will ever undertake as women, mm, right? Yeah. Mm. So in pregnancy, we want to be feeling strong and capable and like superwomen. What we don't want to be feeling is weak and vulnerable. So if you're told, you know, oh, you should just rest, oh, don't lift that, you're pregnant, oh, you mustn't reach up there because you're pregnant. What that does is it really does continuously instill this idea that we are weaker and we are more vulnerable and we are less capable than others around us, whether we realise that or not. Psychologically, that kind of chips away for nine months. Yeah. And then we're faced with this massive challenge. Mm. So we really need to start reversing that. So for me... Pregnancy really was like my nine months of training for birth, which was my marathon. And I very much viewed it in that way and, and trained in a way that supported that. And that was really important to me, both both physically, but psychologically as well. It was I was pregnant when we were still coming out of, but re- relatively still in lockdown. And um, so it was psychologically, it was amazing for me. And it has yeah. been amazing postnatally as well. Really mm. important. Mm, absolutely. Do you think that, that transition from when you were, like you said, you were the fittest and strongest that you feel like you ever were when you found out you were pregnant and then you had to adapt fairly quickly because of the symptoms of pregnancy. Did that take a bit of time to get used to or did you just adapt to it straight away both mentally and physically how did you find that transition of going from being the fittest and strongest to certainly in your first trimester not feeling so capable yeah really really hard probably harder psychologically than physically because that's not me I'm a bit of a get up and get on and 
And, you know, exercise is such a massive part of my lifestyle that that felt really strange. It didn't help that I also went off anything healthy. I remember opening our fridge and throwing out all the vegetables. So I felt like the things that I know feel good to me and the things that I knew were going to support a really healthy pregnancy, that exercise and nutrition, were both out of my out of my grasp, which mm. felt really hard. I was happy to be kind to my body because I appreciated what it was doing and, and all of that amazing work that happens in the early trimesters of pregnancy. But I was worried that it wouldn't stop. So if I, if I next time, if I'm blessed enough to have a baby and I have that same thing, I'm going to know that second trimester I'll be back on track, so it'll be mm. fine. But I didn't mm. have that reassurance at the time because some women had that throughout. Mm. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I can do this, if this is how it is going to be for 40 weeks. Um, so yeah, when, when things started to get better, I really noticed a shift in, in my... I guess my kind of psychological well-being because I knew I was getting back on track and I could pick up where I left off because mm. in the grand scheme of things I mean I probably started feeling sick about six weeks and by 13 weeks it's gone so six seven weeks in the grand scheme of things isn't actually a huge amount of time um but at the time it feels it mm, it really does it is really difficult though in that time of transition when you like you say you were the fittest and the strongest that you've ever been to not feeling that you can do anything or that you physically can't do anything. It's it's a real mental game. And regardless of how, if you're a competitive athlete or you do it for your own health and well-being, it's still a shift that I know I personally struggled with, knowing that even though I really wanted to absolutely care for my body, prepare for birth, I knew all of those things deep down. The psychological transition from I'm a competitive athlete to I'm now a pregnant woman and need to care for my body differently. It was a it was a frustrating and difficult time to really get to grips with, and it didn't it didn't just happen overnight for me certainly. So I from your professional background, I wondered if it was a bit easier for you, perhaps having that knowledge about what, you know, even though you'd never experienced pregnancy before, like you said, and you didn't, you couldn't anticipate what was going to happen in second and third trimesters. But do you think because of your knowledge prior to getting pregnant, you felt more at ease about potentially what was happening psychologically? Um, such an interesting question. I haven't really thought about it my gut instinct is to say actually no um which might sound strange to people listening because and I think it comes down to the fact that for the kind of standard midwifery there isn't a massive amount of education around exercise and pregnancy so Mm -hmm. what I was implementing in my own pregnancy was from personal research personal kind of CPD and education so it's not that I'm, as a, as a midwife, it's not that I'm sat in a workforce full of people that are really pro-exercise in pregnancy. They're not necessarily, I'm not saying they're all against it, but it's not top of their priority list like it yeah. was for mine. Mm. Um, and certainly my friends that were pregnant were actually probably quite grateful to have a an excuse or a reason or a rationale to stop exercising, whereas I felt quite differently. Mm. So in that way, perhaps... And especially as a runner, I'm a, I'm a solo athlete, no, I'm not in a, in a team. In that way, actually, it can feel a little bit isolating because your frustration isn't really understood by some of the people around you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, OK, so from going from you being a professional um, healthcare in, in the health world to knowing how much you absolutely love exercise, 
and now where you're at with your courses. I know that you also um, share courses in, I think it's postpartum, am I right? About fitness in postpartum, yeah. When you were at the early stages of pregnancy, did you approach any professionals yourself relating to exercise in pregnancy and, and what and how to adapt? So... I didn't have a need to because both myself and my husband are trained in pre and postnatal. Amazing. That that education was already there. Um, However, for women listening, I do think it's really important, but I also think it's really important they understand the credentials of somebody because, and I know you will totally relate in the PT world, Mm. anyone can become an expert overnight with actually out a lot of training or qualification. They've just got that on a piece of paper. So unpicking that person's credentials is actually really, really important, especially when it comes to pregnancy. Um, And I think as well, biding off someone, because there is a tendency with pregnant women to be overly cautious. Mm. And the reality is in the first trimester, obviously depending on how you feel symptom-wise, there's not a lot you need to change. Mm. Yeah. And actually, the first trimester, if you can, and if you haven't been able to do this prior to pregnancy, is an incredible time to actually really work on strengthening your body in preparation for the changes ahead when you do need to adapt. So I'm thinking specifically about, you know, deep core muscles that later on are going to be more of a challenge because of your growing bump and the, the risk of worsening of diastasis, etc. In that first trimester... There's loads you can do. Mm. It's a really powerful time to to really implement. So if you are able to and you aren't hit with, hit with symptoms that, that inhibit that, it's a great time to be exercising and really strengthening your body for a more comfortable time ahead, really. I couldn't agree more from my perspective in the, in the fitness industry. But what came to my mind when you were saying that is I think for the most part, and certainly as a you know a first time expecting mum i was led to believe that the first trimester was it was kind of the the time to be a bit more fearful about mm. that this is the developmental stage of your baby it's so important that you look after yourself you look after the baby you don't want you don't want to do x you don't want to do y you know you're kind of there's this fear created around the first trimester you can't it's tell the anyone word, isn't it yeah, absolutely. It really, really is. So the I agree with you completely about prescriptive exercise or encouraging people who don't do anything to start thinking about, you know, those those deep core muscles, etc., doing something. But actually, even from my perspective, um, a professional in fitness who has had years of competitive athleticism was still fearful about what I should and shouldn't be doing because it was my first experience of so and I was still learning and all of those things so do you think that that's I know you mentioned earlier that you you think that women experience fear that's the biggest barrier to exercise in pregnancy in that first trimester do you think that there is again like a need to express that we don't need to be so fearful because I certainly think that that's what I encountered and and many other people encourage you to to kind of oh you know you don't don't do this don't do that it needs to be you need to be really careful yeah it's interesting isn't it and 
don't get me wrong, I completely understand anxiety in the first trimester. We know the rates of miscarriage are higher in the first trimester. Yeah. You know, one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage and the majority of those happen in the first eight weeks. So to say, like, let's just not be anxious in the first trimester is really unhelpful because mm. naturally we're going to be because we know they're the statistics. We also know, however, that exercise does not cause miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So if, God forbid, you've been exercising and you were to experience miscarriage, it was not from the exercise you did blanket myth out there that exercise causes miscarriage um which is i think quite reassuring for people to know i hope i hope Mm. um but of course i understand that 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 fear still exists and it's a generational thing as well you know um certainly my even my parents generation exercise of pregnancy is not something you do my mother-in-law was mortified yeah i was running a pregnancy (laughs) like so when you when you're not telling anyone in that first trimester other than perhaps your mum or your mother-in-law and that that's of a next generation and, and what they believe and what they were told is that you shouldn't exercise and that's the only people you're telling about this really really precious secretive time mm. that's the only advice you're going to get mm-hmm. and then you are so fearful about miscarriage and you're not quite sure what you can do and what you can't do and what you should do because everyone's an expert on the internet and it's full of absolute <laughs> garbage and mm-hmm. um, you, you don't do it because you're scared of doing something wrong. And I get that. I really, really get that. And that's why we need to change because we mm. need that information to be there for women, readily available, reliable, accurate, evidence-based, so that we haven't got... There's enough fear in the first trimester. Actually, one of the great ways that we're going to help overcome prenatal anxiety and depression is through movement mm. and through yeah. supporting women to embrace movement and... Mm. Um, and it will help with so many of the symptoms in the first trimester as well. You know, the heartburn, the, the vomiting, the nausea, mm-hmm. the headaches, the indigestion, all those things that we're going to get. Exercise is going to help with that. But we really need to break down that barrier of fear because, my goodness, the work that a woman's body does in that first trimester is remarkable. Your baby's going mm. to be developed by about 10 weeks. Like, it's absolutely incredible. So we owe it to ourselves as women growing these babies to have the best information to be able to support ourselves and our babies. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we, we need to do better because the fear is there. And so many people, feel, like, so many people feel like you're not alone at all. Mm. But we need, to, we need to do better at educating women mm. and society, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was what I was going to say, society. I mean... Personally, I found exercise to be my saviour in my first trimester. Mm. I've shared this with the podcast before. For me getting up and exercising first thing in the morning was the only break that I got for na- from nausea for, for the first, well, it's a similar kind of time frame to you. It was until about 14 weeks. I was nauseous 24-7. And the only break that I got was, was that hour that I would go and exercise and pretend like everything was fine because I'd feel amazing afterwards. So for yeah. me, exercise was not just something that I wanted to do to keep my body strong and stay healthy, but it, it was a respite from the symptoms that I was experiencing. So as much as there was an element of fear and uncertainty about how much or what I should be doing, because like you say, you aren't sharing that with potentially the people that you're exercising with, coaches, etc. I actually took Uh, the decision to tell my coach when I was seven weeks because as a competitive athlete as I was starting to slow down and and uh, (laughs) it was it was (laughs) definitely it was it was more well it was more of a what's wrong with you kind of attitude you know my coach was 
Um, I think it's definitely more difficult for men as well, especially when they're not aware that you're perhaps trying to have a baby as well. So, so that was a a, a real teller for for me. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's such a shame that even women who live by exercise, who it's their life, it's such an important part of who they are, um, fear it uh, or are told they should stop and then therefore stop by, uh, you know, like you say, healthcare professionals who we want to trust and we want to go to for that advice and the support. So going back to your pregnancy and exercise what barriers did you have to overcome I know you've just mentioned an incredible list of what you did right up until birth but did you have to make significant changes throughout your pregnancy and throughout each trimester um so yes and there there was the obvious things like I couldn't lift a barbell completely overhead because I got Mm -hmm. a bump in the way so breaking up kind of big compound movements was important Mm -hmm. um my biggest one was I stopped running with my watch because to start with, I was getting really cross that I wasn't running the speeds, the paces, the slips that I was previously. And my husband would keep reminding me that that's because you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, But even so, I just found it a bit frustrating. So I had to ditch my watch and remind myself why I was running at that point. It wasn't for PBs. It was for my health and well-being and for my baby's health and well-being. Um, so that was one of the big changes I made was ditching, ditching the watch, which actually in reality is ditching your ego, which when you're someone who's exercised competitively, we've all got a bit of an ego because otherwise we yeah. don't. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So ditching mm. that, um, which actually has remained ditched because exercising in the postpartum has its whole other realities. Mm-hmm. Um, so ditching the watch was, a, was a, a game changer for me. And the other thing was, the advice I give to women all the time, and I'm sure you heard it in pregnancy as well, is listen to your body. So mm, if your body's gosh. telling you you're doing too much, yeah. slow down, stop, mm-hmm. adapt, which is I think is really great advice for the general population that's exercising. If it feels a bit hard, of course, tailor it back, adapt it, stop, etc. But when your entire training throughout exercise has been when it feels tough, you have trained yourself to push through. Yep. You know, I've never run a marathon that felt easy. Yeah. <laughs> You've trained yourself to push through. So as someone who's exercised to that kind of slightly more advanced level, that advice is really hard because mm. your whole being is about when you get to that point, pushing through. So in mm-hmm. pregnancy, that really does a li- take a little bit of unpicking and unwinding. Um, and that was definitely a challenge of recognising when actually I did need to slow down rather than thinking, oh, this is tough. I'm going to keep pushing through. Um, so little things like that I did. I stayed away from things like heart rate monitoring because if I monitors are always slightly inaccurate anyway, mm-hmm. but also yeah. it was just another number to be counting, mm-hmm. another thing to be monitoring that I didn't actually want at that time. So from that aspect, I tried to use the listen to how difficult it's feeling in your body and be yeah. guided by that. Um, but yeah, that they were, I would say they were my main things. It's, it's that ditching the ego and reevaluating your goals. I think is mm. really important. Everything you have just said, I relate to one hundred percent. It's so you're you're so right. And actually, the the transition of where I'm at now, which is I train 
I, I, I'm training to to continue to be strong and capable mm. for my birth, and then and then whatever comes after that, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Working I, around like, car seats and picking up toys and having <laughs> an ever growing baby. Exactly, you know, that's all to come. But like you say, this this huge event that I have um, looming is is what I'm working towards now. But to get to that mindset and ditching the ego was something that took some time and and I too really struggled with seeing the change in my uh, breathing rate in my heart rate feeling the difference in something that I was more than capable of weeks before and suddenly Mm -hmm. it was a struggle like that did not compute for my competitive mind and and what you just said about listening to your body was something that I got really frustrated with uh, in the early stages of pregnancy and exactly what you said I'd say but but I would push past those feelings so that that period of adaptation for me was difficult and I've now also stopped tracking my heart rate Mm. at at a time for me it was really useful because I was still pushing those boundaries too much and not listening to my body when I was in that transitional phase of of learning how to adapt so for me there was a point where I needed to do that to really stop myself from pushing too hard but now I've definitely adapted to the point where I'm just I am truly listening to my body and I and I think a lot of women out there especially that take their training their sport their competitive um, world really seriously they they will really relate to that and and how it's it's difficult to switch that off when it's all you've ever done um but what what is surprising for someone like me and and what it sounds like yourself as well is that you just do it because you you're you're growing a human and that's not something that we've ever experienced and we just have to adapt and we get there eventually so uh, yeah, I, everything you just said, I couldn't agree more with, totally. So, I wonder whether, sorry, I just think, I wonder whether that, that recognition and that kind of, okay, it, it is okay to sort of scale things back and lose that ego, I wonder if that comes more the more pregnant you look. When that yeah. kind of psychological, physical connection starts to happen. Mm. I don't know, just, I'm just, as I was listening to you there, I just thought, I wonder whether that, maybe that's like, the more pregnant we look, the more we feel it's acceptable to be like, oh, I'm just doing this because obviously I'm pregnant. Yeah. And whether we feel we can accept it more ourselves, then I don't know. I think I think there's definitely something in that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I also think that noticing in your movement and feeling heavier and feeling Mm. less mobile and and less capable is something that helped me adapt I mean a lot of in my sport which is CrossFit relies heavily on extreme internal pressure with your core from what from lifting to the gymnastics whatever it might be and really early on um, I was reminded that my body was in a completely new phase of um physicality by things just feeling really weird and that to me was this has never felt like this before like that's that's really new okay I'm I'm gonna stop doing that I'm gonna adapt it I'm gonna regress it in whatever way so I think feeling and the visual yeah I, I think that that's I think there's definitely something in both of those definitely so tell us a little bit about your postpartum journey um you mentioned that training postpartum has been a an, an, a different journey altogether than pregnancy. So, firstly, when did you start training again postpartum, and um, uh, how are you finding it? 
Yes, I was very sensible. I was I was blessed in that I had a straightforward water birth and a small uncomplicated tear and a very small blood loss. So in terms of postpartum recovery, pretty much had it as straightforward as it could be. But I was very conscious that I have a pelvic floor that's carried a baby Mm -hmm. and pushed a baby out. And what I didn't want to do is what I see so many runners, keen exercisers, whoever you might be. You don't have to be a professional athlete, but anybody getting back into exercise that goes back too quick, too hard, and feels great for about six months and then has a prolapse because Mm -hmm. their body's like compensated, 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 and then been like, oh. I'm exhausted this is too much Mm. so for me it was really about proper proper rehabilitation and stripping it back so I said I ran up until pretty much the day I popped um and then the day after I had my little boy went for a little walk around the block literally around the block I felt like my bum was gonna fall out it didn't fall out we were all good but it felt like it was gonna fall out so my little walk around the block was plenty Mm -hmm. um and then I suppose for the next two weeks, it was a daily walk, usually with my little boy in a carrier or a wrap on me. And it was a daily walk of 3K, 4K, 5K, depending on how I felt, depending on how much I needed to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a daily walk and then three times daily pelvic floor exercises. Mm-hmm. That was it. Honestly, that felt plenty. My mm. pregnant self would have told me, that was rubbish. Like, if you're going for a 3K walk, what even is the point? My postnatal self, with the sleep deprivation and the recovery, the fact that you're still bleeding, I was breastfeeding what felt like 24 hours a day. Um, <laughs> that was plenty. And I really enjoyed the lack of pressure to do mm. anything. So mm. that was probably my first two weeks. Um, and then I suppose I started doing a little bit more in terms of activation of my body. And yeah. um, so little bits with resistance bands on the floor, nothing, nothing that's going to put pressure through my pelvic floor, just testing, self-testing and measuring my diastasis, which thankfully was also very minimal at that stage. Mm. But it felt like my core was so, so weak. Mm-hmm. So I became aware that I wanted to do a little bit more deep core rehabilitation through breath work, et cetera, in those early weeks. And then I say it's when it got to that Six weeks, I felt ready to do a little bit more and get my heart rate up. I was absolutely not going out running or pounding the pavements, but doing some body weight lunges and a little bit more around my baby. Um, largely, to be honest, that was with my little boy in front of me on a play mat, and we would do like starry hands and clapping hands, and mm-hmm. he was very much engaged because the realities are you don't have, unless you've got you know support around, which, which we didn't have, you don't have an hour to go and do a workout. So for mm. me, it would be a couple of 10-minute slots a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it worked. That's how we got it in. And I lowered my expectations and became happy with that. And then when I was 16 weeks postpartum, I went for my first run. And I always said, I'm not running until I'm 16 weeks postpartum because the wonderful Emma Brockwell, who I really respect as a pelvic health physio, has some fantastic return to running guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very conscious that I didn't want to do that damage where I had a prolapse six months later even though I felt fine my head was very ready to run my legs felt ready to run but I was aware that internally my vagina my my pelvic floor probably wasn't and so I saw a pelvic health physio eight weeks who was like yes everything's fine but I still waited until that 16 weeks before I started running and started Mm -hmm. really slowly and built it up 
And I made sure, I suppose, between that six and 16 weeks, there was a lot of strength and rehabilitation work going on to support that next process. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I suppose, in a, in a nutshell, a little summary, what it kind of looked like for me. But it's about, it's about that reality now. So now I'm th- about 13, slightly over, actually, 13 and a half months post-birth. Um, and I have between 30 and 60 minutes a day of pick time. Um, that is my time, and that's usually, because it is pick time, spent mm-hmm. exercising. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what I have. Sometimes it's 30 minutes a day, sometimes it's 60 minutes. But that's my bit of me time every day to utilise in whatever way I like. So that's how much exercise I get, which again, pregnant pit or non-pregnant pit would have been like, that's terrible. You're never going to make any progress. But postnatal mum pit is like, that's going to be good enough because that's all I can do. So I'm going to yeah. utilise that time really effectively and be mm-hmm. pleased with it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And like you say, you have a near 14-month-old it's not like you have a 14-year-old who is capable and responsible for themselves. So so that's, I think, half an hour to an hour a day is, I'm sure a lot of women listening will be saying, how have you even got that? That's amazing. So absolutely. And I think that the key takeaway that I got from what you just said is acceptance. I think that that's something that a lot of people that I've spoken to, I know I, I've just mentioned that I struggled with a bit of acceptance of change. Um it, it truly is amazing how you can take someone who is so internally driven to, with an ego, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to say, oh, I've just got to accept this now, that this is, this is my new reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and what becoming a mum does for that, whether you are, like you say, uh, just a keen exerciser or a uh, professional sportswoman, it's, 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 a, it's remarkable how we can change our mindsets like that. It's, it's admirable. It really it just, is. It rewires your brain. And I was mm. just, just thinking, Misha, when, am I allowed to give you a tip? For of course. Okay, yeah, I'd um, love that. Uh, so my tip to mums that, and I always say this because mums are always like, you know, I really want to get back to it, but I just can't find time because my baby doesn't nap. They only nap on me, which is totally normal. Um, so my tip to mums, because this is what I found, was rather than putting pressure on your exercise time being when your baby naps, don't worry about doing it when your baby naps. Either strap them to you in a wrap and do your exercise, adapt mm. it, or do it with them playing. Let them watch you exercise. They love it. It's like the ultimate baby sensory, and it takes that <laughs> pressure off nap time. Yeah. Because you might have planned to do... 30 minutes and they nap for five minutes because that's yeah. what babies are like mm-hmm. and then you're like oh it becomes stressful and when else am I going to do it and there's nothing more annoying than starting a workout that you can't finish mm-hmm. so I might take that pressure off then nap time becomes yours yeah that's then your bit of time to I don't know pot around the house do the washing up if you want to or sit and have a cup of tea and watch Netflix but but do that exercise with your baby as part of your day for me that was game changing in making it more stress-free, more enjoyable and getting it done. That's a great bit of advice. And that is straight in the straight, straight in my <laughs> postpartum bank to remember. So yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm sure I'm sure lots of people don't even think about it like that because you're so right. Most women say, oh, 
you've got to do things when the baby sleeps um I'm already signed up to a to a rap certainly my I'm fortunate enough that my my partner's sister has three children one is just term one so she is passing me all her wonderful oh, uh, all her wonderful kit um including a wrap we just spoke about it this weekend so I know how important that's going to be just to get a bit of movement back like you say I'm not anticipating being able to go to the gym with a baby wrapped on my chest but it's just being able to have a little bit more freedom so that you can even just like you say wash up or get something done without feeling restricted to watching a baby um on its playmat or whatever it might be like you say oh my gosh um, we did everything in the rat yeah we, i recorded it the four season of the podcast in the rat <laughs> the, the rat was a game and my rat since gone around two friends so yeah, like you were saying your sister like they are they're a good a good like help a friend out job as well because they're a game changer for having a happy settled baby and letting you get on with life. I'm looking for yeah, well that's that's something I'm definitely getting involved with. So finally, I'm just more drawing upon your your professional experience now mm-hmm. to talk of the other side of it when women perhaps do take a step back a conscious step back from exercise in your experience what do you think is the biggest consequence for women who don't exercise in pregnancy um so probably probably a couple of things one i mean definitely in terms of psychology it's a a massive thing isn't it if if exercise is your go-to and then you take come away from it in terms of sort of prenatal anxiety and depression that self-belief and confidence has a huge impact at a time when you're already vulnerable to that yeah. Um, but secondly, and I guess more tapping into my current role, so currently I work on a high-risk unit mm-hmm. as a midwifery sister there, is what I see so often is babies that are malpositioned. Um, and it's one of my, if I could gift every pregnant woman something, it would be when they go into labour, their baby is in an optimal position because it makes such a difference. It's something that I on about all the time mm-hmm. on my courses because it's such a game changer and mm-hmm. and what I mean by that I'm going to try and explain this aware that people can't see me it's we want your baby to be in a position where they're trying to navigate your pelvis with the smallest diameter of their head going through the widest diameter of your pelvis because mm-hmm. that makes it easier for everybody so it reduces your risk of things like induction of labor requiring things like an epidural that has its own risks it reduces your risk of forceps delivery more severe tearing etc etc all the things you want to avoid reduces your risk of now if we sit on the sofa so we're slouched back on the sofa all nice and comfy what happens is our baby moves into a position where they are navigating our pelvis with the widest diameter of their head so if you tuck your chin on your chest and touch your forehead mm-hmm that's the bit we want them to come through with. Now, if you raise your chin, so you extend your neck backwards mm-hmm. and then touch your forehead, that's how they're coming through if they're in a suboptimal position. So they're mm-hmm. coming through with a much, much significantly wider diameter. Now, because your baby's back is the heaviest part of their body and they move with gravity, if you're slouched backwards, what happens is your baby's back moves so that their back is against your back. Mm-hmm. And that's what lots of people might have heard of as OP, sunny side up, back-to-back labours that increases pain, length of labour and medical intervention. 
Now, if we're in upright forward positions, mm-hmm. if we are exercising regularly in pregnancy, if we're going for walks, if we're doing squats, deep lunges, some great yoga poses, swimming, all that awesome stuff in upright forward positions, our baby's back then moves around to the front of our tummy because it's moving with gravity, so it's going with our postural position. We then end up with a baby in an optimal position. Mm-hmm. We then have the strength and the natural ability in labour to adopt positions like a squat and mm. lunge, to stand for a prolonged period of time, which allows our pelvis to be at its most open diameter. And actually, by, by adopting those positions in labour, you can gain around 30% extra in your pelvic diameter, which when we're thinking about the size of a baby's head, is a mm. massive amount of gain. Mm. Yeah. So we just make birth so much easier for us and our babies and reduce our risk of complication. And women that are active in pregnancy, just anecdotally, more often than not, will have a baby in a great position and have a more active labour, which just increases your chance of having a more straightforward physiological birth, which is what most women want as plan yeah. plan A, really. Mm. Um, so just, yeah, bringing into my, my current experience and my current work setting, that's what I see and that's why I'm so passionate about the education that I do because there are some things in birth that are out of our control. There really yeah. are, unfortunately. There, there are a small number of things, but there are things. But there are things that are within our control. Mm-hmm. And so we really want to tap into those things that we can manipulate and control to improve our, our outcomes. That's amazing. And I have seen your direction on basically not not lying on your back when you're giving birth and and the reasons why we want to avoid that and and what we can do to to try and prevent us doing that and and you're so right I've never looked at I mean as much as I am absolutely exercising to be as capable as I possibly can physically and mentally for um, a a vaginal birth um, it's it's also we, we can't help but still be influenced by what we see in the media what we see on tv which is women screaming on their back and I think that that's still just like exercise in pregnancy is a generational thing even discussing options of birth with with my mum you know she's she's just turned 70 it blew her mind you know the options that are available to us and that are encouraged these days but you know back back when I was born 35 years ago those options weren't available to expected mums and I think generate generationally you're absolutely right as far as exercise goes but it also goes with birth as well and I think that there is this huge misconception about what's right and what we should and shouldn't be doing in birth so I totally appreciate the educational side of what you're doing and I think it's so important that women educate themselves to to know what is going to be helpful for them and their baby in birth and not just about reducing injury or reducing pain but like you say adopting optimal positioning and um, making it safer for your baby and for you Um, it's great to hear that exercise has such a huge role to play in that and I and yeah I didn't even think about it from that perspective but it's, it's a really good way of looking at it definitely yeah I mean it's multifactorial isn't it but I just think we live in a, a place now where birth is safer than ever statistically mm. but women are more fearful of it we are an mm. absolute epidemic of birth fear and that is because of what you alluded to there with the media 
Mm, exactly. What, everything we see is that birth is this big, fearful, abnormal medical event and actually doesn't need to be that way. Mm. Um, but we need to do that unpicking and that background work and have that evidence base and honest education because there is a lot of very glamour, glamorised, not quite honest or accurate information out there as well. It's important that we are we are realistic and honest and evidence-based. Sure. Mm. And then that's a game changer for our mindset. Mm. Totally, yeah. And a, just a personal question from, mm. from, from what you just mentioned about... The, the way in which the baby sits. I am 28 weeks tomorrow. Yeah. And for the last, I'm going to say, when did I last see my midwife? 25 weeks. So for the last four weeks, my baby is sitting, is exceptionally active, which I'm not complaining <laughs> about. It's really lovely and it, it feels like another level of connection, which is, which is yeah. wonderful. But is sitting what feels like exceptionally low, most of the time in that I can press quite comfortably on the the top half of my abdomen and it be really soft like there is absolutely nothing going on but around where essentially the baby is dancing on my bladder all day um (laughs) is exceptionally hard and a friend of mine who is a doctor had a good feel of my tummy and could place where the baby was and everything and she agreed that it was sitting exceptionally low And I wondered if, from what you just said, just drawing on conclusions and assumptions here, but would you think that that's related to, I I am a very active person. Yes, I I exercise four or five times a week. um, But even though I have what is deemed to be a sedentary job, an office job, I walk my dog twice a day. I often do up to 20,000 steps without even trying. It's just I'm a fidget, I guess. So do you think the two are correlated in in your professional experience? I say so. I think it would be, I mean, obviously, we can, we, ne- we never know. Do we? We no. Never know. No. But I would, I think it's absolutely reasonable to suggest that. And I had a very similar experience in my pregnancy. Um, so yeah, I think it's totally reasonable suggest, to suggest that. What I would say is lots of women worry when their baby's low that it's going to increase their risk of preterm birth, and that's mm-hmm. not the case. Um, it's absolutely fine for the baby to be sat low, low in your pelvis in the earlier uh, earlier stages. Whoa, welcome to the third trimester. Mm, um, yeah. It's absolutely fine, and it's not an indication of when labor's going to start. What it does mean, um, we, we focus so much, I think we, on cervixes opening in labor. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting because this is a bit of a diversion, sorry. Um, your cervix can be fully fully dilated or completely open, but if your baby's head baby's head is still high, they're not coming out. Mm. Your cervix can be as open as it likes, but if mm-hmm. their head's high, they're not gonna come out your vagina. So it's these two things that are actually really important. So having a baby's head that's low and then the cervix opens is what we need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's great, you know, it's because very likely because of your active lifestyle so just keep doing it and it's only going to be a good thing apart from when you need to pee every 10 minutes I mean there is is what you avoid is lots of women find in the third trimester kind of past 32 34 weeks they really struggle to breathe because their baby's right under their ribs Mm -hmm. and you don't get that if the baby's low because they're well away from your lungs still but you do lose your bladder (laughs) well I think I'd rather lose my bladder than lose my breath so that's fine by me that's absolutely fine well look is there anything else that you feel is appropriate to share with expecting 
um, first-time mums or perhaps anxious mums about exercising pregnancy, um, whether it be from your personal experience or your professional experience? No, I, I think the main thing really is just move your body. There's not one right way. You know, I'm a runner, you do CrossFit. If neither of those things are your thing, that's absolutely fine. Go walking, dance around the living room, you know, do home workouts in your lounge. There is no right way or right thing you have to do, but just move your body because the benefits are huge. Uh, Yeah, perfect. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Pip, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. Like I say, having followed your podcasts and your socials and um, your everything else uh, since very early on in my pregnancy uh, it really really is wonderful to be able to get your personal experience as well because I think so much of what you do is is talking professionally so actually to be able to understand how it was for you um, is is really special so thank you for sharing that oh it's a pleasure thanks for having me it's been great to chat Oh, it's brilliant. Well, I'm sure there will be plenty of questions for Pip. So what I will do is pop all of Pip's details in the episode notes, how you can get in touch and everything that she does. Um, But for now, I'm going to say goodbye to Pip. So thank you so much for joining us and I'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Thank you. Oh, wasn't that amazing? I feel truly honoured to have had Pip feature on one of the episodes for CrossFit versus Pregnancy. She is so humble in her approach but so incredibly knowledgeable and also such a great advocate for training in pregnancy so thanks again Pip. But for now if you guys want to get in touch with me share any of your experiences perhaps with your own midwives or any opinions that you've come up against or anything at all relating to your personal pregnancy postpartum journeys then please get in touch I would absolutely love to hear them. You can get in touch with me via my email at info at mishapt.com or any of the socials, my own or the CrossFit Versus Pregnancy podcast as well. All of the information is in the notes. So stay tuned for more. As always, I'll be back next week with another episode. So you guys take care. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.